It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked On Raptors, we take your listener questions. We've got questions like, what does a peak Scotty Barnes point guard season look like in 2023-24? Where does Precious Achua best fit in? And who are my Delano Banton All-Stars, the Toronto Raptors of yore, who, if only they got a shot, might have taken off. We'll get into all that on today's episode of Locked On Raptors. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the free time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on and welcome to another episode of Locked on Raptors, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Friday, July the 28th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can go follow the show on Instagram at Locked on Raptors, and you can join the Locked on Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description. Lots of new folks popping in of late. We've got a movie chat. We've got Blue Jays talk. We've got, of course, plenty of off-season Raptors ruminations and all that good stuff. We would love to see you in there. Be part of our growing community over on Discord. The link is in the description of the podcast. If it's expired, just shoot me a DM somewhere, either on Twitter or Instagram, and I We'll get you that fresh link. Uh, as always, of course, you can go support the show by subscribing, following, rating, and reviewing on your favorite podcast apps. And, of course, on YouTube, we are free wherever fine podcasts are found. And uh, we appreciate you so much for your patronage of the show, even as we head into the off season. And this, by the way, just programming note, will be the last of our daily episodes for a little while. We're going to go down to three shows a week starting next week because it's August and we're running out of stuff. But we will have some really fun shows coming up next week as well and in the weeks to come as we will get into some fun off-season weirdness. We've got a couple great guests lined up. A lovely Toronto comedian is going to be on the show next week along with a returning favorite and uh, some other stuff that we'll get to in the coming weeks. So... That's that. That's the housekeeping. Let's get to it on today's show. We are taking your mailbag questions. We got a lot of good ones. A couple holdovers from the last mailbag show as well. So we will try to rattle off as many as we possibly can to send you into your weekend. Let's begin with a question from Psychic in the Discord. And by the way, the Discord is where you get your questions answered. That is the way to get your mailbag questions on the show. So join the Discord, drop them in the mailbag questions chat, and I will get to them at some point. This one comes from Psychic. What would a successful version of Scotty Barnes at point guard look like? What would shooting and assist numbers look like? What would he need to achieve and reach for him to be the starting point guard on a good version of this Raptors team? This is a hard question to answer because we've not really seen 
the full Scotty at point experience. We haven't seen what incremental improvements he might have made to his game over the course of the offseason as well. Um, you know, peak end game, like ball lead guard, lead ball handler Scotty Barnes. I think, you know, you would hope that there's some at least mid-range acumen there, something close to, you know, the flashes that we saw in his rookie season, where you think back to like his second career game in Boston and he starts burying mid-range jumpers on the pull-up, and it's like, oh. All right, that's something, you know, all the best superstars in the NBA can burn you from mid-range because those are the shots that defenses are trying to funnel you towards. I don't think you can expect Scotty Barnes is going to be some mid-range assassin going into this season. There's a lot on his plate. If he is, in fact, going to be the lead guard, which everything suggests that he will be, including the Raptors' Instagram yesterday, just posting a post uh, captioned big guard with Scotty making a bunch of cool in-air passes. By the way, great marketing on me. I saw that, and I was like, you know what? Fine. Let Scotty run point. It's cool. He'll throw fun passes, whatever. Um, you know, they, they really got me with that. But <laughs> as far as, you know what to expect this season. I do think you have to temper your expectations a little bit as to what the point Scotty experience is going to look like in 2023-24 because he's 21 years old and these things take time and it's a lot. There's a big learning curve. There are going to be growing pains and it's going to, there's going to be some pain involved here, especially considering the roster isn't exactly conducive to making the most of his beautiful passing, his incredible gifts as a playmaker, his vision there's not going to be a ton of space for him to operate in a lot of lineups that they're going to roll out there. There will be ways to manufacture spacing and create fun lineups that can do that, but yeah, I think you have to go in with a bit of a, a tamped-down expectation. He's not going to walk in and be Magic Johnson. The Magic Johnson comparisons do no favors to Scotty Barnes. It's kind of like comparing OG Ananobi to Kawhi Leonard. It's unfair. Magic Johnson's one of the greatest point guards of all time, one of the greatest players of all time. We don't got to get too crazy with this stuff. What would a successful year look like this year? Like, what if, if we kind of come out of the season and it's like, man, you know what? The Scotty at point thing is going to work. This is a thing you can go forward with. I think you probably see a really significant uptick in his two-point shooting. You know, obviously, he had some struggles last year everywhere from the floor, everywhere on the floor, essentially, everywhere inside the outside of at the rim, he dropped off in terms of his accuracy, whether it was short mid-range, floater range, long mid-range, threes, all of it dropped off. I think the two-point scoring is going to have to be there. There's going to have to be an uptick in the mid-range shooting. Even if he's not going to go to elite levels, there has to be something there that can keep defenses honest, something that he can punish drop defenses with. If people are going to hang back in the paint, he's got to have those counters. You know, I think he'll score just fine at the rim. He's been around 70% at the rim so far through his career, but that floater range is going to be incredibly important. Can he refine that touch? Can he use that 3 to 10-foot range? Similar to how Pascal Siakam did sort of during his ascent, uh, where that was just like an area where he was absolute money on those push shots and flip shots and floaters. That's going to be a big thing here. So I think you're probably looking at something like you know, from two-point range, can he get up to 56, 57, 58% from two-point range? Can he, you know, really kind of find that touch in in and around the 3 to 10, 3 to 16-foot range? That's going to be massive. As far as, like, assists, you know, that is going to be largely dependent on are people hitting shots that he's creating? Um, and so I'm not so worried about the actual numbers of assists, but is he... 
um, you know, making quick reads on, on offense? Is he kind of getting into the offense quickly and letting things flow? Is he over dribbling? That would be bad, obviously. You don't want to have an over dribbling point guard. You want to have someone who can make those quick reads. And it's going to be tough for those reads to develop because there's not a ton of spacing to work with. But he's also a visionary passer and he'll probably do some stuff that kind of makes your head explode because it's so incredibly cool. Um, if we're thinking of like a player comp, I think you'd want to see something close to what we saw from rookie Ben Simmons. And look, Scotty Barnes can hit free throws and is clearly not afraid to like do dunks and stuff like that. So it's a very different situation. I think Ben Simmons, you know, obviously the last couple of years have not been kind to his reputation, his health, everything that's gone on with him. Um, it's not been great. It's been a pretty sad story, honestly. But you think back to rookie Ben Simmons, 2017-18, that Sixers team is pretty fun. They go on that crazy run to close the season where they win like 18 games in a row. And that was sort of like a crescendo of Ben Simmons figuring it out. I think Joel Embiid missed some time at the end of that season as well. And so you saw Simmons kind of doing the the heliocentric thing and just kind of kicking it out to shooters, Marco Bellinelli and Ursan Ilyasova, notably. <laughs> I remember kind of having heaters at the end of that season. Um, you know, if you can find that kind of success where maybe it's not super smooth at the start of the year, but over the course of the year, he's able to kind of get comfortable, grow chemistry with the guys on the team, grow some familiarity, maybe some guys kind of pop as shooters. Precious Achua, Jalen McDaniels, on down the line. Maybe Grady Dick is a reliable guy to play and into those lineups. I think you could see him kind of ease into the role and be a lot more successful at it by the end of the season than he would be at the start because there's going to be growing pains. You know, that season, Ben Simmons averaged 16 points a game, eight assists. He was up to eight boards as well. Um, you know, I think Scotty's going to, you know, hit the glass. I think he's going to be asked to grab and go a ton. I think he's going to be asked to run off of misses and makes probably quite a bit because the Raptors half-court offense is going to be a slog. They're going to want to get in transition a ton. Uh, and so I think, you know, it's hard to project actual numbers, but if he's doing stuff like we saw in that sort of early state of Ben Simmons in that rookie season where he really kind of took off near the end of the year, I think that would be sort of a, okay, this can work. There's something working here where Scotty Barnes can be the lead ball handler, even with the lack of shooting. There can be something salvageable here as far as, you know, you know his ability as an on-ball guard. Salvageable makes it sound dire. Uh, but, like, it's going to be hard. He's not a shooter. That's going to be, in 2023, having a pull-up game, having shooting chops, that is a massive element to being a successful lead guard, lead ball handler in the modern NBA. But he's got the passing gifts. He's got the sort of strength and the explosiveness. If the conditioning's there, too, like there could be a lot of really fun stuff with Point Scotty this season, even if I think the team is not exactly conducive to it being the smoothest of experiences this year. We'll come back on the other side and do a whole bunch of other questions. You know, where's Precious Achua going to slot in? What is his long-term role with this team? Who's going to take the biggest leap among the sort of three guys who the Raptors really need to take leaps between Scotty, OG, and Gary Trent Jr.? We got some Jeff Doughton talk. We got some old Raptors talk. That's all coming up in just one sec. Before we do that, however, got to tell you, but our friends over at FanDuel the number one sports book in all the land. You want to go check them out because right now you can take your first swing at betting on MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land 200 bucks in bonus bets. Win or lose, that's 200 that you can spend on everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. And it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. 
you know, maybe you're like me. You're a Blue Jays fan. You're stressed out by the race for the division and the wild card, and you want to sort of build in a backstop, some insurance to your happiness. Do the happiness hedge, baby. You got the Blue Jays coming up. Maybe bet against the Blue Jays to win right now, because if they win, you're happy. You're thrilled. They're tracking down the Orioles in the Rays, and if they lose, hey, you get a little money out of it. So that would be my suggestion right now as far as FanDuel bets for this weekend. Of course, you got Shohei Otani in town, Mike Trout with the, with the Angels. Maybe there's some fun stuff to do there. Um, um, you know, I would take the over on Shohei Otani home runs probably because he's a monster. Go do that. It's tons of fun. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today. Use Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to 200 bucks in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball and of Locked On. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, continuing on here with your mailbag episode. Thanks, as always, to the everyday listeners of the show. If you aren't everyday, let us know in the comments. We love you. You're the best. I know the Discord is full of the everyday sickos, so if you are one of those sickos, come hang out with the rest of the sickos in the Discord and be among friends. Uh, all right, more questions. Let's get to them. The next one here comes from FCF12 in the Discord asking, what is the ideal role for Precious Achua? Small 5, Energy 4, Giannis Light. Uh, <laughs> Giannis Light would be nice. I don't think that's really a fair expectation uh, on account of he can't really dribble without booting it out of bounds every other possession when he does it. Giannis never had that problem. I think for me, I've, I've made this point before. I think the ideal role for Precious is on the wing. I, I don't think he does center things well enough to be a center. Also, this team all of a sudden is kind of flush with center options between Jakob Pertl, who's probably going to play 28 to 30 minutes every night, uh, yet Christian Coloco, who I would assume is going to get the real earnest shot to be the backup center for this team. And frankly, as much as we just talked about point Scotty Barnes, I think it would be a misuse of the ample skills of Scotty Barnes to not at least give him some run as a backup small ball five at times this year, because that is where he's been at his best so far in his career. And he does a lot of really interesting things from that area of the floor. And so you're quickly running out of ways to slot Precious in as a five. Um, you know, maybe there are some lineups like we talked about on yesterday's show with Jamar Hines. You know, some lineups were Precious. You can slot in as a small ball five. And if he's shooting his threes, maybe that's like your spacing option there because that's the one thing the Raptors don't have right now is guys to space from the five. Um, so maybe Precious has a bit of a role there. But I think he's a wing. And I think... His quick twitch drives, his ability to kind of guard anybody on the wing and switch across multiple positions, and I think the catch-and-shoot three-point shooting flashes that we saw back in 21-22 all indicate this can be a very good 3-and-D type wing. And I've made the note before, you've probably heard this before, you're probably tired of hearing it, but Big Norm is kind of my dream outcome for Precious Achua. Norman Powell at his best it was kind of like a you-don't-really-think type of player. It was ball comes to him. He's either jacking up a three. It's going down at 40%. That was awesome. Missed that. Seriously. Man, uh, would be a useful thing to have on the team right now, no doubt. I love Gary Trent Jr. No slouch shooting threes. 
I digress. Um, you know, the other thing with Norm is it was a very sort of, you know, again, there's not a lot of thinking involved in the game. It's the ball swings to him in the corner. He's shooting a three or he's using his extremely explosive first step to drive by a dude and dunk on someone's head. Not a lot of passing coming out of those drives. It was very much kind of like, all right, me, point A, point E, point B, let's get to it and try to score. And I think that's a perfectly viable role for Precious Achua to try and fill. It limits him having to make like decisions within the middle of the defense. He's not catching the ball in the short roll and having to make you know precise reads and hit cutters and stuff like that. I don't think that's his bag. But if he can be a closeout attacking 3 and D wing type, I think that is a, is a perfectly fine way for him to settle down as a player. And I would like to see him get plenty of opportunity to do that this year. You know, Last year, Nick Nurse ran him a lot as a 5, just... For it, even though he said at times he's not really a five, he just kept on playing him as a playing him as a five. This is one of the many frustrations of the coaching staff last year. But I think, um, yeah, probably wing sort of three and D type is the best place for Precious to slot in. He can obviously guard anybody. Like he doesn't really have a position defensively. He is you just throw him on whoever you think he's you know he's going to switch onto the best like you're going to run a switching scheme and switch him onto the best ball handler at times are you going to run him on point guards you know there's lots of different ways to deploy him defensively he has good rim rim protection numbers even though he's only 6'9 he's not exactly a deterrent but he can certainly cause problems for anyone you know foraying into the paint um but for the most part offensively i think his role's got to be pretty low usage catch and shoot wing type who can attack, attack a closeout and dunk on heads and i think that's perfectly fine Next one here, also from FCF12, asking, who will take the biggest leap next year, Scotty, OG, or Gary? And this is a pretty chalk answer for me. It's Scotty. He's 21 years old, and he's going to have all of the runway in the world to take that leap. I kind of wanted to use this converse, this question as a bit of a jumping-off point for the OG and Gary leap conversation, because I get the sense just kind of, you know, I, I feel like I have a pretty decent pulse on the fan base. I, I get the sense that there's this like expectation that OG and Gary have big leaps coming. And I don't know if I really see that. I think Gary Trent Jr., as he is, can be a perfectly serviceable player, even a perfectly serviceable starter. He's a very good three-point shooter. You can run him around off screens. He can make things happen late in the shot clock. He can create mid-range shots out of nothing. Can't create shots at the rim out of nothing. <laughs> you know, that's a problem. But he can get to that sort of, you know, that step back mid-range shot. And that is a very useful thing to have in the repertoire for a team that needs shot making. Gary Trent Jr. can be a trigger man. And he's going to get a lot of opportunity to be a trigger man working off of Scotty Barnes. There's going to be some dribble handoff stuff, I'm sure. He's just going to be a catch and shoot guy. When Scotty's getting downhill, he's going to, you know, try to ping it out to him in the corners and on the wings. Like that's all going to be very fun stuff to watch with Gary this year, but I don't see the avenue for a significant leap with Gary. Like, I think the leap for him comes with, like, consistency more than it does layering in new stuff to his game. He's not very explosive. He's never had much of a knack for passing, and I don't know if that's something you can, like, learn on the fly. It's a pretty innate sort of skill to have, and it's tough to teach vision. It's tough to teach playmaking and anticipation and knowing how one motion is going to affect the rest of the floor. I don't think Gary really has that in his bag as a playmaker, and that's fine. Not everybody has to be a playmaker. I don't see there being that much of an avenue for him to get a whole lot better outside of just kind of doing it night to night a little bit more consistently and kind of not having those off cool nights where he goes two of 10. That said, 
He's got like the gunner's mindset, which is, you know, sometimes you're going to go two for 10 and that's fine. It's also going to be augmented by games where you go six of eight and it's going to be awesome. So I think baking in any sort of expectation for a massive Gary jump. I know he's 24 years old, but he's also been in the league for quite some time now. And he hasn't shown tangible growth in the areas where I think his sort of next step in theory would come. Um, and so, hey, if he's a 38% three-point shooter on high volume and he's hitting some late-clock bailout shots for you and spacing the floor in transition, I think that's a perfectly fine player, and I think he's going to fit very nicely in the Raptors' starting five, and I think he'll be pretty insulated defensively as well. You know, OG is going to take the biggest assignment. Scotty, I think, is due for a bit of a jump forward defensively if he can kind of rein in the aggression, and I don't see... Gary, you know, being like exposed necessarily as like a sore spot defensively all the time. He can jump passing lanes and all that. Um, you know, he can stay in front of guys sort of. He's not the quickest of foot laterally and all that, but I'm not baking in a massive growth step here for Gary. I think he's kind of just what he is, and I think that's fine. With OG, I know there's probably going to be opportunity for him to, you know, flex those creation muscles. I know that it's all out there that he wants more of a role, and that's fine and dandy. I still have yet to see anything that suggests that when he scales up his volume, that he gets better. In fact, that's just not really the case. He suffers significantly efficiency-wise when his burden has been asked to be more, right? Like you think about back to the start of the season where Pascal Siakam was hurt back in uh, 21-22. You know, OG was not an efficient player that season. He shot 51% on twos that year. He played just 48 games. He missed time, obviously. Um, but like 51% on twos, that's not good. That was the season where he shot the most. He had the most responsibility, the highest usage, and the efficiency just did not follow. It is the hardest thing to do is go from being a pretty high efficiency, low usage player to a high efficiency, high efficiency, high usage player. It's just a really difficult step to make. Not everybody could make it. If everybody could make it, then everybody would make it. And yes, there'll be more opportunity. Maybe there's incremental growth that, be, that can be done there, but his career pull-up shooting numbers are just not there. Um, and he just doesn't have the, the passing chops, the playmaking chops for me to really hack it as like a regular wing creator type. You know, and I just, I'm, I know he wants more or whatever. It's just not the best usage of OG Hananobi. Let OG be OG. OG is one of the single best players of his archetype in all of basketball. He might be the single most valuable non-star role player in the world with the way that he is just like a menace defensively and hits 38% from three and is a super efficient play finisher on cuts and things like that. I, I don't really see like why you would want to scale him up. You have other guys who are better at that stuff. Scotty Barnes is better at that stuff. Um, obviously, the playmaking helps a ton there. Pascal Siakam is just better at that stuff than OG is. And I think you'd be actively taking away from the effectiveness of the team to funnel more through OG. And look, it's still going to happen. Like, And I think there's going to be plenty of growing pains. And this will be the year where we finally learn does OG have that in him to make that next leap? I kind of don't think it's there. We've He's been in the league for six years now. And that's not to say it's a bad thing either. If OG is just the player he is right now, he's worth $35 bucks a year or whatever it's going to be. He's going to get paid, and he's going to be the type of guy that every team wants. Also, if he gets traded to some team, no team is trading to make OG their number two option. They're trading to make him the final piece of a championship puzzle in all likelihood. And that I just... 
I don't know. I'm having a hard time reckoning the sort of noise about him wanting more of a role and the actual practicality of him getting that role either with the Raptors or somebody else. We'll see. Maybe some team that's in dire straits, you know, says, hey, OG's our guy. Let's go make him our Jeremy Grant. We saw how it worked with Jeremy Grant with the Pistons. It wasn't very effective, and that team was awful. We'll see. Again, I don't know. I can't profess to know OG's ambitions or, or, or how far they go, but as far as a giant leap from OG... I think it's unfair to expect at this point six years into his career. And if he's just the player he was last year, specifically the player he was down the stretch of the season, that is an immensely, incredibly valuable player. That's like the third best player on a, on a contending team level type player. That's excellent. It doesn't have to be on ball creation and scoring chops for a player to be incredibly valuable. And that's kind of where I'm at with OG. We'll come back on the other side. We'll get into some more questions, a couple of fun ones about Raptors history and uh, old pals, and uh, another one about Jeff Doughton Jr. as well. We'll get to all that in a sec. Before we do that, however, just a reminder, go and check out Locked On Blue Jays. Big series coming up this weekend against the Angels, followed by a series against the Orioles. Massive week. The playoff race is very much on. Go and check out Locked On Blue Jays. Craig Ballard keeping you up to date with everything you need to know as the Jays push towards the trade deadline next week and try to track down those pesky Orioles and Rays in the AL East. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's uh, get to this next question here from Barney Bass asking, Jeff Doughton plays solid D and shot 43.2% and 41.3% on four three-point attempts per game in his last two seasons in the G League. Also shot 55% and 50% on two-pointers those seasons. He was good statistically across the board. He didn't need to do that with the big club. I mean, honestly, no. I, I think there are plenty of guys who are incredible in the G League, and it just doesn't quite translate to being incredible in the NBA. And that's fine. Like, I think Jeff Doughton can be a really nice third guard, like a, a nice third point guard. You know, you can swap him in if you need a defensive ace out there. I think that's absolutely a thing he brings to the table. Um, we haven't seen the shooting in the NBA. I know it's not a very big sample size, but... For some guys, it just it doesn't click in the NBA the way it does in the G League, and that's just the reality of the NBA. Like, there's 400 players in the NBA. It's really hard to be one of them. It's really hard to stick, and it doesn't happen for all, all these guys. That said, again, I, th I think I'm happy Jeff Doughton's on the roster. I'm happy to see what else he's got. He's also 27 years old, and he's not exactly a spring chicken as far as development goes. But that's, again, it's not to say that he can't be something effective for the Raptors. If he comes out next year and is, you know, knocking down threes, like a bench player coming in and being able to knock down a three or two a game at 40%, that's game-changing. That really helps sort of string together your lineups. It makes it so you can play him with your starters or whatever in in-between transitional groups and have some success and win minutes. Like, that can certainly help you. We saw, like, Sam Hauser, for example, with the Celtics last year and what his three-point shooting offered. I'm not saying Jeff Doughton Jr. is Sam Hauser because Sam Hauser's just, like, got fire raining from his fingers at all times when he's on the floor, but... You see the way a depth piece can really help a team 
especially survive the slog that is 82 games in the regular season. And so I'm totally open to the idea that Jeff Doughton will have a contribution to make on this team. I think um, if he makes the team, obviously, he's got a camp tryout and the the contract becomes guaranteed if he makes it. Uh, I don't think it's a guarantee that he makes it necessarily, but... I think, uh, yeah, there's a way for him to be effective on this team. Do I think he's going to walk in and put up his G League numbers for the Raptors? No, I don't think the Raptors would ever have him have the ball enough in his hands for him to achieve that. But some catch-and-shoot stuff and some good defense, a 3-and-D point guard type. Could he be some sort of, like, Patrick Beverly light? I don't think that's crazy. I think that's certainly on the table. Patrick Beverly, but not annoying, uh, I guess, is the sort of the dream for Jeff Doughton Jr. for me, at least. Let's get to this next one here. This one comes from Michael Townley asking, if you had to predict Grady Dick's stat line for the upcoming season, what would it be? I think, look, I don't know how much he's going to play out of the gate. You know, some it's we don't know exactly what Darko Ryakovich's sort of MO is going to be with rookies, right? You know, he's you never know until a head coach takes over how they're going to handle things. I would imagine considering Darko is a development guy and a guy who seems to want to give a lot of guy runway, and the fact that Grady Dick has a skill that very few players on this team possess, I would guess he's going to get run out of the gate, 15 to 18 minutes, something like that. And I think, you know, in that, what does he average? Six and a half, seven points a game. Can he do that? Can he hit one and a half threes a night? Um, you know, that's kind of, I don't think the expectation for the stats are all that high. I think really the thing is, does he look at home on the floor? Does he look out of place? Is he getting bullied defensively? Is he getting kind of knocked off his spot too easily? Um, that will be the big telltale here if, if it's a successful Grady Dick season. The stats, like I said, you get six and a half, seven points, three boards, an assist and a half, something like that. That would be, I think, a pretty acceptable way for him to start out. If he's shooting 36, 37, 38% from three, that, that's all good for me too. Um, I think it's going to be a bit of a, you know, a long game here with Grady Dick because I think the physicality of the NBA is something he's going to have to get used to. He's a pretty slender, slight guy. He's 19 years old. These things take time. I'm not painting, you know, or putting too much expectation on him for this year, but I do think he's going to be a valuable piece off the bench to just like breathe some spacing into lineups, which will be super important and effective. Um, Let's get to one more here. This is a fun one that's been sitting in the mailbag for a while, and I wanted to get to it. This is from Stago in the Discord asking, Who are your Delano Banton All-Stars? Former Raptors that the fan base loved, but did very little in the league. Quote-unquote, if only he got a fair shot. Um... The guy who comes to mind for me recently is, of course, Justin Champagny. I think a year ago right now, I was like really on the Champagny bandwagon thinking, oh man, this guy's going to be in the rotation by Christmas. He's an offensive rebounding stud. He does exactly what the Raptors need. He's shooting 40% from three in the G League and all of this, and it just didn't work out. You know, I think there was, you know, obviously he had like the, what was it, a free me post about his G League play, kind of wanting to get up to the NBA. I think... Partly justified, considering the Raptors last year were not very good at the start of the year and were pretty thin and pretty injured. I think there was room for Champagny there. Um, you know, does Champagny still have something on the Celtics? We'll see. Um, you know, Champagny, Banton, O'Shea Brissett all in the Celtics this year. One of those guys pops, everyone's going to be very, very mad. But I also, also like, you know, these things happen. 15th guys move on and that's it. And if a guy's not really going to buy into being on the G League team, then I think that's, you know, it makes sense that the Raptors maybe moved on considering the success they've had with guys going to the G League team and kind of, you know, getting their, testing their medal and all that stuff in recent years. Um, other guys, maybe not like fan base, the guys like the fan base love necessarily, but guys that I was like fully in on and like, yes, this guy's a guy. 
Omar Cook is the one who comes to mind for me. He was a Raptor at the end of the 0405 season, I believe. Not a very good season. Might have been 0506. Um, and he played like I don't know, nine games. He had one nice game to close a season against the Chicago Bulls. I remember it vividly. And I was like, oh, Omar Cook, this is a guy. This is the point guard of the future. And then he never played in the NBA again. Uh, So he comes to mind as one of those, if only he got a shot, guys. And then I think the other one, and this is someone who like played a ton and was very successful for the Raptors for a long time. But the thing that drove me nuts for a very, very long time was the refusal to start Patrick Patterson in the 2016 2015-16 season when Louis Scola was starting and like bleeding his minutes like bleeding plus minus whenever he was out there and trust me I love Louis Scola Louis Scola is my answer when anyone asks me what's your style of play like at pickup it's Louis Scola circa 2015-16 I love Louis Scola but I was like driven to the point of madness that year at Patterson not getting into the starting five. He was like the plus minus wizard. I remember looking at the plus minus numbers, just like raw plus minus that year. And it was like all of the warriors from the 73 win team, Kyle Lowry and Patrick Patterson were the guys who drove plus minus. That was Kyle on the bench at its peak and all that. I think uh, Patrick Patterson for me was someone I really wanted to see start next to Jonas Valanciunas um, in that, into that starting group alongside Kyle and I guess Damari Carroll and Damar at the time. They never did it, and uh, not till the playoffs, I guess. It was, it was a little too late in the game, but that was one that drove me nuts. It's like, if only he got a fair shot to start, Patrick Patterson would make this team into an unstoppable juggernaut. Uh, and hey, that's what we do. We get a little hung up on dudes like Patrick Patterson. That's what the fandom game is all about. We'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to everyone for sending in your wonderful questions. We'll be back again next week. Probably Tuesday will be our next episode, and we're going to have some fun next week. We're going to have Andrew Ivamy, who's a wonderful comedian on the show. Uh, he opened up for Ian Carmel a couple weeks back at Comedy Bar, and I uh, started t- chatting with him on Instagram, and he is uh, a delight, and I'm really excited to bring him on the show. We're going to talk about his Raptors fandom. We're going to play that random Raptors game and all that good stuff, and we're going to bring James Herbert back on the show as well. I think we're going to try to do some sort of hoop grids brought to the podcast type of thing because james herbert if you're not aware is a sicko with hoop grids gets like 99th percentile scores every time so we'll have that next week some version of me concocting a raptors themed hoop grid style game for james to probably destroy uh we'll have that and some other stuff next week any rumors and news will obviously break down as we go through but uh, thank you so much for supporting the show and thank you for being with us as we've been daily all through july it's been a tumultuous july it's been a stress July. I feel like it's been kind of a repetitive July, but uh, you have no idea how appreciative I am that you tune into the show and have every day of the week for the last, what, 11 months, <laughs> not 10 and a half months or whatever it's been. I'm going to take a brief break, go three a week. We'll have Ranking Every Raptor on the off days going forward as well and uh, get those cranked out between now and the start of the season. So we're not going anywhere, just be a little bit less frequent, but come hang out in the Discord. You'll get to talk to me every day and all that good stuff as well. Link is in the description. Please subscribe, follow, rate, review. Go to YouTube and subscribe as well. I learned, by the way, I knew I normally tell people to go and hit the big red subscribe button on YouTube. They've changed it. It's no longer red. Go hit the big, boring, black subscriber button on YouTube, I guess, uh, as the red one is no longer a thing. That's very sad to me. Anyway, thank you, as always, for supporting the show. We'll be back again next week with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for hanging with us.
Hey Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.